So good. So last week I shared about that Jesus was passionate about building his church. He said it. And we're going to look at this scripture now. Matthew 16, 18. Boom. That I will build my church. Now I say to you that Peter, which means rock, upon this rock I will build my church and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. You can take that down. So Jesus said, I will build my church. He goes on to say, I'll give you the keys of the kingdom. So again, what's the responsibility of the believer? Mainly is to build the kingdom because he's given us the keys of the kingdom. But the the church, Jesus said that I've put my hand up and I'm going to build it. So it's this supernatural, immaterial, releasing, transferring of breakthrough solution and everything the kingdom is into people that then play it out. Does that make sense? So he's not physically down here building it and orchestrating it, but it's by his voice, word, and presence that he's building his church. His voice, his word, and his presence. That's how he's building his church. He's committed to it, so much so that in Ephesians 5, he used the analogy of a man and wife that got married. He said that, Husbands, lay your life down as Christ laid his his life down for the church signifying the importance of the church. One of our core beliefs as a church, you'd know that we have eight core beliefs. One of them is God's kingdom is advancing, not was, but is advancing and is being outworked through the church. That's one of our core beliefs as a church, which upholds our how and our why. God's kingdom is advancing and is being outworked through the church. The way the world will encounter Jesus is through the church. Does it mean it's from this building? No, because we are the church. Is the church a building? Yeah, it is. Is it more real that the church is people? Yes. But the combination of us consistently gathering and agreeing So not only recognizing the building element and the gathering element and the agreeing element, but also acknowledging that I bring something to that. Because without another person, we can't agree. That's why in Matthew 18, 18, 19, he said, where two or more gather and agree about something, there I'm going to be in the midst. There I'm going to make it happen. I'm going to do it. I'm going to respond. He responds to agreement. That's the purpose of the church, to come together and agree that Jesus is the Christ, like Peter, the son of the living God. Jesus said, wow, flesh and blood did not reveal this. Again, it's immaterial. He doesn't have to learn it. Education's great, but love surpasses knowledge. Peace transcends our understanding. Peace and love can't be learnt. It's immaterial. It's the inner world. It's, it's, it's this collision of heaven to earth that education and the cognitive mind will, will create a stumbling block, but they're still tools and position us for the spiritual. Am I making sense? So the physical location of the church is paramount because it houses agreement, And it houses coming together and unity. But we are the church. So what's Jesus saying? He'll build his people, which will gather and agree. Does that make sense? Jesus is building you up. We're becoming that that temple. Is that one Peter? Who knows that? He's building us as living stones. He's building us together. He's building us up in the faith. Where Our life's hidden with Christ. Christ is becoming bigger and bigger in us. And he's passionate about it. We are the church. 
And, 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 I, and I said, okay, great, he's building his church, so wouldn't Jesus want to set his church up well? And this is a recap, but it's such a big deal because we we've never had this model established in the church. And it's very common just to go, Ephesians 4, I don't understand. I just don't understand it. And there's some gifts there for the church. I've heard that before. I've heard about the apostle, prophet, pastor, teacher, and evangelist. I've heard it all before, but I'm not actually sure how it's meant to work and, and, and what we do with it. Of course, we've had prophets come in and we know the word evangelist and we've heard the teacher and we definitely know the pastor because that's the head honcho, isn't it? <laughs> it's like, well, is it? So we call the senior leader a pastor. But is that really a pastor? So to understand, you've got to understand, we've had maybe 100, 200 years of church, right? 100 years, let's talk about Australia. <laughs> How old are we? 200, of course. Um, but we've had, we've had this understanding and just this go-to that the person who leads a church is the pastor. But what I challenged the thought last week is because Jesus was so passionate about building his church that he saw all the people and that he saw everything that was needed, because remember, he'd laid his life down for it, he actually came up with a brilliant idea to set it up really well. And it, it's actually different to the way that we think because of our upbringing with what the senior guy at church is called. And for 18 months, Lee and I put down, on purpose, senior leader. And today, I just want to open up a little bit more about this ministry, this model, and this amazing um, governmental structure for the church. Big words, but Holy Spirit, lead us into all truth today, because this changes our lives. Because Jesus said, I'll build my church, and he set it up really well. And wouldn't it be a shame if he set it up with gifts, he set it up with some structure so we could all thrive but we just don't recognise it and we stick to what we think's best. So can we look at this model again today? I'll highlight a little bit more around Lee and I and our gift. So I didn't mention a lot about that last week. So I'll highlight a little bit more around Lee's and my role. But last week, what we did was we appointed Ken and Melanie to oversee the pastoring of Echo Church. Now, my line last week I can understand, may have been a stumbling block for people. Meaning, Ken and Melanie are now the pastors of Echo Church. It makes perfect sense in the Ephesians 4 model and in the model that Jesus established in the church. But when we've had 100 years, I'm not saying anyone's 100 here, when we've had a good chunk of time understanding that no matter what church it is, the top guy is a pastor and therefore has the list of a pastor, we, we create ourselves a stumbling block when the person that actually is in charge is not a pastor. <laughs> so what I want to do is explain this whole deal and empower you and encourage you for you to be able to view this church and view Lee and I and view this model in a, in a really healthy way, because when we do, we start to honour people, we start to see them for who they are, and then we start to see these five different functions absolutely working out in all of them, because we need the apostolic in this church. Yeah. 
We need the prophetic in this church. We need the Word of God and a high value for it in this church. We need pastoring and loving people in this church and we need people passionate about people who don't know Jesus in this church. And Jesus could have put six or seven or eight gifts, but he said, you know what? Five's going to be great. Of course, there's other things which we'll talk about later. Of course, you carry different things. But I guarantee you, the way Jesus set this whole deal up, you will fit in one of these five. You might have two passion, real high. You might be teacher evangelist. That's me. The other, I don't care about people. <laughs> hey, let's read Ephesians to give us some more context for those that weren't here last week and to remind us those that were and then we'll hit this again and we'll talk about each role and what they each carry. Is that good? Because when we understand, then we can receive. When there's clarity, there's confidence. Amen? Amen? Awesome. Ephesians 4, verse 7 to 16. It's a big chunk, but it's great. We don't have to try because Holy Spirit's leading us into all truth. He loves this when Scripture's read. This is his like go-to. When scripture's read, he jumps on scripture and then he just pushes it into our heart. Don't know how it happens, but that's what he does. All right, here we go. So the context is Paul in Ephesians 1 to 6 is saying, you know what, guys, he's making big statements. The church, baptism, there's one God, one father of all, one spirit, and he's making big theological doctrinal statements. This is who God is. Don't mistake in him. There's a lot of polytheism happening, meaning lots of gods. And he's just saying, no, no, this is it. But then he breaks it down and it becomes personal. And that's where we'll pick it up in verse 7. And we'll go all the way through to verse 16. And then we'll talk about each of the fivefold gifts and who they are as people. Because the gifts to the church were people. Here we go. However... He has given each one of us a special gift through the generosity of Christ. I love it. Verse 8, that is why the scriptures say, when he ascended to the heights, he led a crowd of captives and gave gifts to his people. Verse 9, notice that it says he ascended. This clearly means that Christ also descended to our lowly world. The context is in between the, the crucifixion and the resurrection. There was some stuff that went on that you can dig around in your own Bible at home and, were, and, and, and look at what Jesus did. He took the keys back. He took authority back. He went down. He, oh, mate, it's so great. I felt like Don McDonnell had bait. It's so great, isn't it? Um, all right, so verse 10. Was that good? Oh, no, no, good. Verse 10, and the same one who descended is the one who ascended higher than all the heavens so that he might fill the entire universe, the entire universe with himself. It's amazing. Now, verse 11, he starts to bring some practical structure for the church that he loves. Verse 11, now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church. The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the teachers and the pastors. No, sorry, the evangelists, the pastors and the teachers. I'll say that again. Now, these are the gifts Christ gave to the church. The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and the teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work, key point, and build up the church, the body of Christ. 
The word build is to build people up, one person to another, with words of life, encouragement, and peace. Because it's a people deal. It's not a location deal and, and someone at the front telling people what to do. This is a gathering of believers that are, that are agreeing about who Jesus is and coming to be equipped to go out during the week, which is really the most important part of our week. This is amazing. But the six days of us being Jesus, doing his work and being the church out on the road is it. That's life. This isn't life. It's part of life, but our life's Monday to Saturday. Does that make sense? And we stumble over that as well. That this is, we've got, I've got to get fed here. Well, if a person only eats once a week, how are they going to go? <laughs> so I would challenge you that this is a great buffet when we all come together and it's like a treat meal. And it's one of those, let's have a little blowout today, but we've got to eat consistently during the week if we want to do his work and be his people. Is that good? So verse 12, their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. Verse 13, this will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord. Wow. Measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. And that results in this, verse 14. Then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever that they sound like truth. Verse 15, two to go. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ. That's my heart. Who is the head of his body, the church? Again, back to that foundation, that this is a big deal to him. The church is a big deal. And verse 16, the fruit of it all. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. Can we say perfectly? As each part does its own special work. It helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. That's, let's just amen to that. That's just great. Let's read verse 16 again, and then we're going to launch into the remaining 18 minutes, 15 minutes of today. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. I want this church to be healthy and growing and full of love. Healthy, growing and and full of love. It sounds like Jesus. It sounds like heaven. It sounds like a standard that heaven carries and is. And, and it just feels right as I read Ephesians 4.16, the culmination of Jesus setting up some stuff in his church. And the fruit of it all is that we'll be healthy, growing, and full of love. That we would all be unified. Now, claws. What we've come to know in culture and church is that uniformity is the actual defining factor for unity. And it's actually a lie. <laughs> because it's, it's truth that diversity brings unity. Why? Because if diversity 
is the key for unity, something's required in the middle, and it's honour. And honour is recognising the gold in someone else and not stumbling over what they're not, which is probably what you are. So it's recognising them for who they are and because they're a person, not sure about you, but I'm amazing in some areas and horrendous in some other areas. So you don't see me being a jerk at home sometimes, guys. I, yeah, I, I, I know it's a shock, but, but I have the ability, secret, we'll, we'll delete this from the podcast. I have the ability at home sometimes to be the biggest jerk that's ever graced the planet. Like one of the best, one of the best. Now you might not hear that much from the guy at the front, but this is reality. But I've got some super gifts. Like, I am amazing. I mean, not only do I sing in perfect pitch, but I've got a perfect shaped head for a person who lost their hair. That's true. I'm being an idiot, but you know that. But this whole unity, we must have uniformity. We all must agree. And if I come to a church and they say something that I don't agree with, I'm going to another church. And we've got a lot of people with shopping carts going from church to church trying to find a place that everybody agrees. And it's actually never going to happen. P.S. Heaven's not like that. Does heaven all agree that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God? 100%. Are there some key doctrinal statements around the atonement, sin, um, the cross, Jesus, Holy Spirit, Trinity, da-da-da-da-da? Yes, there's statements of faith that are non-negotiable. But outside of them, we've got lots of opinion. And even inside of them, there's a the method and ways that they all happen anyway. Because you can be an evangelist, and I can be an evangelist, I'm not. But you might be and I might be and we might have two polar um, ways of going about it. So we might agree about, yes, we are a five-fold ministry evangelist. We equip the church to be passionate about the lost. But we might disagree completely about methods and ways and systems and structures. So we can agree about the fundamental truth of it, but then we disagree about the method and the execution of it. So you can see why the uniformity deal is a stumbling block for us to miss this whole church deal, doing it together deal, growing together. It's not you growing on your own in health, love, and full of love, health, whatever. It's perfect. It's not an individual thing that, yes, knowing you grow healthy and full of love and grow, yeah, that's true, but it's, it's kind of not true if we don't have this second half. It's like, it's a perversion of the real version. Because her growing on her own is true, but it's more true for her to grow on her own in the context of family. That's more true. That's a weightier truth when it comes to the Bible. So this whole uniformity means unity is a lie, and we just got to shake that off, and it's going to take time. Because we think different, we see different. It's, we are so different to the person next to us, even if we're going after the same thing. All the worship leaders, they're up there for a reason. There's agreement, yes. But the way they see him, the way they see you, the way they see their voice, what they carry, it's all different. So there's potential for them all to punch on. Serious. Actually, no, I'm just kidding. No, they're, they're, seriously. 
Because, because we've, we've believed the lie that uniformity means unity and it's subtle and we agree with it. So when we agree with it, it's not a conscious, I agree, but it's a conscious thing. Of course, we've all got to be the same. Sunday morning's all going to be the same every week. But it's like, no, 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 diversity brings unity. Why? Because honour is required. What does honour do? It sees the gold in the individual while not stumbling over what they're not. So honour is critical to be established in the church. I would say that humility, honour and hunger, these three H's are actually some of the most critical things. Yes, faith, hope and love, powerful, great. I'm not making a doctrinal statement. What's highest? I'm just saying what I feel is really critical for us now is this whole humility deal, which is empowers honour. Humility empowers honour. Humility empowers honour and it releases a hunger. Are you with me? Excuse me. So honour is required to see people that are different to you, which empowers them to be them and you to be you. But you need what they have too. You can't say, I just want the four and this one's weird, so I'm not doing it. And we love doing it, but we're actually dishonouring and we cut ourselves off to access that. I posted during the week that whatever we honour, we have access to. Whatever we honour, we have access to. If you don't honour the angelic realm, you don't have access to it. If you don't honour miracles and that it's still happening today, then uh, uh, you shut yourself off. I'm not being harsh. I'm just encouraging you that whatever you honour, because you can stumble over what it's not. Signs one is miracles. Cool. I believe that. But the way it's been done in the past, it's offensive and weird and dodgy in some areas. So I'm shutting myself off to it. I just can't honour. And honour in its fullness is recognising the rubbish, but still seeing the gold. So let's look at these five um, characteristics of the fivefold ministry, which are people, which are for us. So our heart is to see these five ministries established in this church. So that we can recognise it and honour them, and so all of the five things happen. We want to see people encounter Jesus that didn't know Jesus. We want to have a high value for God's word. We want to have a high value for people that they're seen, known and loved and looked after and are walked into discipleship and process and growing and thriving. We want that. We want the voice of the Lord. Yes, in the Bible, but yes, moment to moment when he speaks and he doesn't always speak full, he doesn't always speak full scriptures. If his voice was only to be memorised, then we wouldn't need the Holy Spirit. So the prophet actually empowers us to hear his voice and see into the Spirit. So that when we're at the coffee shop, we see things about people that we couldn't have known unless it was his spirit. Words of knowledge, words of wisdom, strategy, solution. It's the prophet that actually values all of that and then releases that into the church. And we get to sit here and we get to go, wow, this guy is amazing. He operates on such a high level. Like he's calling out street addresses and crazy stuff and people are being led to the Lord because like in Ephesians, uh, sorry, 1 Corinthians 14, 25, that the secrets of their heart were revealed and they fell down and praised God. It's this whole encounter through stuff that no one could have known because they feel seen. And we sit here and we go, what do I do with this? Like this guy's a prophet and I've heard a bit about this fivefold ministry, but what do I do with it? 
And Jesus made this great statement. He said, when you honor a prophet in the name of a prophet, so you recognize that they're not a teacher, they're a prophet. And you don't put it under the rug, go, oh yeah, they're just a whatever, they're a pastor. No, no, if you honor them in the name of a prophet, you will receive a prophet's reward. What's a prophet's reward? It's you growing in seeing and hearing the voice of the Lord. Jesus went a step further and he said, if you honor a teacher in the name of a teacher, you'll receive what? A teacher's reward. What's a teacher's reward in the context of what he set the church up with this fivefold ministry? It is to value God's word. So what happens is when we position ourselves to honor, so we might know some stuff about this person that's a bit weird, but we, you know, I'm not saying immoral, I'm just saying different to us. But they're honouring in such a high level gift. We can sit there and choose whether we dishonour or honour. And honour will release what they carry, which is you seeing God more and feeling God more in, when you're out and about. There'll be just a grace released to you and you'll have the ability that you didn't have before. You're praying, God, I want to hear you more. <laughs> On altar calls over 10, 20, 30 years, God, I just want to hear you more. I want more. I want to hear your voice more clearly. Jesus is like, I'm building my church. And I'm giving it gifts and they need to be released in the church so that when they share and they release their grace, we get to receive it. And then what happens? It's supernatural. You can't go to Bible college for it, even though Bible college is important to learn and to position yourself for a season to grow. But this is unlearnable. This is receiving. We're so... What do I have to do? Du, 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 du. Old Testament, doing, doing, doing. New Testament, receiving and believing. So when the prophet's up, what's the critical thing for you, us in the church? Honour, believing, embracing and receiving. It's really hard to walk it out. I get it. What happened? Did someone push a button and now I hear the Lord? But it's this grace that's released. And what does grace do? It gives you the ability to believe something happened or you wouldn't have become a Christian. I say this a lot, but it's critical. We think this whole grace and faith deal is only for salvation. It's for everything in the kingdom. You want to grow in, 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 in learning what you carry. It's, it's receiving from the Lord truth that's immaterial. Am I making sense? Honour, massive. All right, so let's look at these things. The te- I've, I've mentioned them a little bit, and I mentioned them last week, but it's really important if we're unlearning a lot of stuff. And I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm not saying what, we're, what the model that we've had. It's just like we feel the Lord on this model. We feel the Lord, str- we just, and it's not like that can be condescending going, we're just following Jesus and no one else is. Like, that's not our heart. But this is something that we feel the Lord really strongly on. Okay, so let's look at the teacher. Remember, they are to equip, so there's a heightened passion on them. Does it mean that no one else can love God's word? No, that's ridiculous. But there's a heightened passion on them because they're to equip us to become hungry and passionate about God's word. Teacher has a high value for God's word. They love the scriptures and theology. They are passionate about revelation. They have a passion for learning, education, and history and to share it with others. Their lens that they look through is scripture, doctrine, theology. Everything's filtered through it. They would look at the Good Friday appeal and want to know biblically why we're doing it. 
And again, we laugh at that. We go, we're just doing it, shush. Because I'm just out there and I don't really care. We're just doing it. Of course it has, of course it makes sense. And they're like, they value this. Like there's an integrity around it, around that event. And they're passionate about filtering everything through God's word. And they bring that to the church because I'm sure Penny, who's overseeing the event, would want to have it so it honours the Lord. And the teacher actually brings that to the table and just without threatening, would just maybe ask some questions and then bring value to God's word in it. All that thing can get super weird. And then the person can just go, shush, we're running the event. I don't care what you've got to say. But it's this, this positioning ourselves of honour so that all of these five are functioning with everything we do. Does that make sense? So the teacher has a high value for God's word. What happens when we honour a teacher? We start to get this passion for God's word that we didn't have. Okay, so pastor. The word pastor means shepherd. I'm repeating, but I need to. The, the word pastor means shepherd. They tend the flock to the local congregation. They are connected primarily to the people in the church. Their primary concern is encouraging people. They are invested and involved in people's lives and process. They are concerned with the everyday aspects of life and people. Kindness, empathy and compassion are common attributes. They're patient. It's amazing. They carry, they carry a special grace so that the church can see people. If there's not pastoring in the church, then the church will struggle to see people in their journey and to have something in place to help them walk it out. We need help with walking this whole deal out. We need help in our process. We're all on a journey, amen? We're all on a process. We've all got stuff going on on the inside of us that no one else knows. The role of a pastor is to um, reveal the promises of God and who God is and then take all that stuff and work it through with that person. Again, under that pastoring model, there's lots of different people and there's not lots of different arms. Like there's small groups, there's hospital visits, there's, there's um, connection, there's support. There's a whole lot of stuff that comes under pastoring, but it's all about people. And the teacher is not primarily concerned with it. Do they value people and love people? Of course they do. But that's not their deal. That's not their jam, so to speak. And you guys would have the same sort of things. When we look at this model, there'll be things that start to burn, start to go. And you can question, oh, I don't wake up and just burn for the lost. And this might be a touchy subject. I care about them. It's why I'm doing what I'm doing. But do I wake up every single morning on my knees going, all I'm thinking about is the lost? People might leave if I say no. But no, I'm thinking about the big picture and they're included in it. But there's evangelists that wake up and it's all they are thinking about. Systems, procedures and structures about lost people. Street teams, everything they want to do is about out, 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 out where the pastor is only caring about the people in the church. You understanding? So they each carry a grace. And we need to be honouring each of their grace. The, the evangelist is passionate about salvation. Again, do, do, are we not? No. 
Is their grace higher because they're equipping? Yes. What do they bring? They bring us a passion for the lost, for people that don't know Jesus. If we don't and we have that established in the church, after a while we'll start to go, you know what? Yeah, I need to reach my friends. And it's supernatural. You can go, I don't care, till I'm burning because we established something because grace is released. Does that make sense? It, It takes away the striving. I've got to do this. No, no, how about just position yourself to honour, impartation happens, and you just are passionate about it. That's way better than trying to force yourself to do it, and you just give up after 10 years and go, it doesn't work. It's like, no, 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 this impartation deal, this grace-releasing deal is everything. Hard work and impartation are the keys to life. Amen? You don't have to say amen. It's a choice, because you might not agree with what I said. Don't get sucked into saying amen, okay? Because you might not agree. Even if I push it a bit harder, like I did about 10 minutes ago. I said, amen, and then everyone said it. But you might not have agreed. So don't say it if you don't agree. Be free. Don't email me. All right, the prophet. Just hang in there, okay? Mitch, can you jump up? That'd be so great. Their focus is the unseen realm. They function in revelation and hearing God's voice. They see gifts and calling on other people. They see, hear, and speak into the church what God is saying. We've spoken a lot about the prophets. We all prophesy. It's all, we all hear God's voice and we all prophesy. That is biblical. Acts chapter 2, the pouring out of the presence. Holy Spirit fell. What does this do now? We all can prophesy. Read it. We all can do it. But there's a heightened grace on the equipper. We're not all called to equip you understand this. And then we've got the apostle. And the word apostle means sent ones. Jesus stole. He didn't steal it. He, he didn't even borrow it. Yeah, he took it. It was a secular Greek word, apostle. It was used in Roman times when the, Ro- the Roman Empire was conquering and plundering villages. The apostle would send the teams into an area that they wanted to conquer. I think it's up to, f- I think it's 49, they either fully conquered or partially conquered during the Roman Empire that wasn't Rome. Amazing. And what they did, they were not interested in just going in and plundering. It's actually rare that they killed everyone. But what they did was they sent teams into an area that wasn't looking like Rome and the idea was to send teams from Rome into places so that that place would eventually be turned around and would look like Rome. They were to go in and conquer and culturalise. So they didn't just go in. The apostle did not just send an army in with knives, well, swords perhaps. They sent in politicians. They sent in governors. They sent in artists. They sent in scientists. They sent in 
educators, and we'll go down the list. Why? Because a culture is not formed by going in and plundering. A culture is formed where people who carry different things go in to a place and begin to be themselves in that environment so that it looks like heaven, so that it looked like Rome. So the artists had a critical job because they had to infiltrate and become Rome. So without the art representing history and the way that the art expressed culture and who Rome was, without that, they missed a piece of who Rome was. It was critical for the teams to be sent out. What I'm not doing, you would gather that I operate in this gift more highly than others. Am I calling myself an apostle? I would never do it. Because all of these graces are not self-imposed. They're recognised from the church. So what we've done over the time is we've said that the person in charge is the pastor. Meaning all the time, all the people, all the connection. And this is not Justin handballing something. This is not Lee handballing something. This is recognising who we are as people and stepping into it fully without trying to do everything and, and pulling pressure and expectation and burden on ourselves, trying to pastor and profit and teach and evangelize and equip everyone with everything. Because if we continue to do that, we'll last five years. Or maybe seven, because that's the average that pastors last. And they last that long because... So many of them do not actually operate under the gift of a pastor. They're more apostolic or they're more primary teaching and there wasn't anything set up under them. It is my responsibility to set up pastoring in this church. It's my responsibility to set up a teacher that can, that can come in alongside the, the visionary leader and to teach God's word. I can't be responsible for all the teaching that happens in this church. I just don't have the grace for it. So we're praying for people. And this is where we're doing the why course. This is what we're doing. We're, we're, we're doing the school. We're doing the why course. Why? <laughs> why are we doing it? This is what we're doing as a church. We're doing the school as a church. And it's a choice to do it. But there's a reason. It's not just because we're bored on a Wednesday night. The reason is so that we can recognize who you are. Because you have a role to play under this structure. We're going to set up this structure with the fivefold over the next three, five, seven years. But then us as people have a pivotal role to play as well. And the teaching in 1 Corinthians 12 is you're, some's an, some people are an eye, some people are an ear, some people are a foot. And it's silly to say that I don't need you, the eye says to the foot. No, we all need each other. And the next time I speak in a couple of weeks, I'm going to talk about how the members of the body, using the physical story and analogy and example, how that transfers into the church and how us as a body are growing in our why. Why am I here? Is it, is it that? Or is it this? But if we don't go on a journey to discover it, if we don't go on a journey to discover these five gifts and identify them and, and announce them, then we're actually just going to be fumbling and bumbling along, wondering how it's all going to work. There's so much gold in you. Can we stand to our feet?
So Lee and I are the senior leaders of Echo Church. Nothing's changing. We did not have a weird midlife crisis 18 months into taking over the church. Six weeks after launching Echo Church, we didn't second guess everything and say, you know what, let's put some people from America in place that are only going to be here for four years. You can pray that it's longer. But we would never do that. But I can understand how the phrase that I said last week could become a stumbling block that Ken and Melanie are now the senior leaders. I'm sorry, that Ken and Melanie are the pastors of Echo Church. I'll, I'll begin to use language like Ken and Melanie are overseeing pastoring at Echo Church. Lee and I are going to be senior leaders and everything stops with us. We're the vision leaders. We oversee the health and the heart direction, the vision, the core values, the culture, the why, the how, and everything we're doing. If we're doing something, it's because it not started with us, but we said yes to it as well. And we've got our core team and leadership team and staff, and we oversee that. Ken and Melanie are not the senior leaders of Echo Church. They are, in this model, the pastors. But I can understand the stumbling block that that does for us. And instead of just, just going, oh no, well let's just change the phrasing. Yeah, we'll use the language that they're overseeing pastoring. But when it comes to this five-fold ministry and gifting, it's a leadership structure for the church. They are going to be overseeing pastors. Technically, they are the pastors because I am not a pastor. And that's even hard to hear. I get it. It's really hard to hear. Because what we think a pastor should be, what the main guy should be. Do I love people? I love you so much. Do I carry a grace to, to, to be involved in everything your life? No. I love you, but I couldn't think of anything worse. <laughs> I wake up thinking about the big picture. I wake up thinking about how we can change the prison system. Like I wake up, I honestly, that's what I think about. And Ken and Melanie don't think that way. The evangelist doesn't think that way. Like I, I want to set up systems and stuff in Victoria that change it for Bella's kids. Like that's what I think about. And it's really difficult to think that way when you don't know what else to do. That's why we've got to set people up around us that carry stuff. So am I making sense? 